Welcome to another episode of Prattle with Trayvane for connoisseurs of casual conversation. Usually, each week, me and my guests will talk about an obsession of theirs that piques their interest and their soul. But this episode, we're getting intimate. That's right, it's just us, babe. And this week, stay with me. Do not go gentle into that good, good night. Keep those candles unsnuffed and don't bite the dust just yet because we're getting all up in the Grim Reaper's business. Couldn't you just die? I bet you're gonna. Let's go. Okay, y'all, I'm so, okay, I need to, <laughs> shake it off, shake it off. Okay, welcome everyone to a very, very, uh, I'm so, I'm like, <laughs> can you tell I'm nervous? I'm really excited though. Like this is, this is excited nerves. Um, but this is a solo episode of the pod. When I was thinking about bringing the podcast back, I was like, oh my God, I absolutely want an episode in the season that's just me ranting, me prattling about. And I'm really excited about this. It's my dream to have just an hour of time just run my fucking mouth. So I'm really excited to do that. Um, it's my dream. So, and the reason why I'm so excited and nervous for this episode is because I knew exactly what I wanted my topic to be when I was thinking about this episode. And I think it's actually pretty unexpected because I would assume that people, if I would if I would assume, if I asked my friends what they thought my episode of Prada would be about, I think they would say Tana Moja. I think they would say RuPaul. I think they would say Drag Race or like Trisha Paytas or like YouTube or something or content. Um, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about that guest who no one ever wants, but who will always show up. Death. Death! Death! <laughs> We're talking about death. I knew I wanted to do death, and I knew I wanted to do this because it is such an intrinsic part of my entire being. It colors everything I do and everyone, every, like, aspect of who I am. And I don't think people would assume that. I don't think people would sort of guess that. So it's my Hannah Montana moment, taking off my blonde, sparkly, um, giddy, uh, bubbly wig and revealing the real. Um, but I promise you, it's an uplifting journey. It's a good arc. So we're definitely going to get into it. It's definitely going to get um, deep and dark because that's what death is. But I promise we will get through, we will get to the other side. <laughs> with joy and laughter, I promise. So I thought we should start, no, before we start, um, just in general, right? So I kind of assumed growing up that everyone knew, like everyone had a very similar interaction with death, being that death was very apparent and very sort of present in their life growing up. And I found out recently that's like literally not the fucking case. Like I was, um, and I was at a dinner party and I was like telling these people I was there and I was like, oh my gosh, like uh, Trisha Paytas, who <laughs> I'm like, I'm in my Trisha Paytas era right now. Um, but Trisha Paytas is, like recently said that she doesn't know, like she really doesn't know anyone. She hasn't lost anyone close to her. She's really never like experienced death like that. And she was like, I'm so scared too. I just don't know like how it's going to happen. And I was like, that was so mind blowing to me because I feel like death has was very, very present in the first like, 
15 years of my life, and thankfully less so now, but um, definitely like a high a high incidence of death in the beginning. And then someone at the dinner party was like, oh, I, like someone my age was like, oh, I've never, I don't know anyone who's really died either. So I really can't, like, it just really blows my mind that some people have not really been through death. So I thought this episode would be cool for the people who obviously have experienced it. Well, I guess not who have experienced it. If you're listening from the other side, hey, make sure to like and subscribe up there. Um, but um, I also thought it would be interesting for people who maybe haven't walked as closely with death because me and that Reaper have been hand in hand for most of my life. So I'm sort of just excited and nervous to talk about it because it's just, yeah, it's it's something deep for me. But Let's start, let's go back to the beginning of when I found out that death was a thing, which was a very traumatic situation. So, oh my God, I can't, I've wanted to like say this story. Like I, I've wanted to tell people my life about this POV. Like I've wanted to get this out for so long. So it feels so crazy. I'm about to do it and it feels amazing. Um, and I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Okay. So I was six or seven. And I remember it was me, my mom, my dad, my brother, and we had, like, the best day ever. I remember we went to um, Putt-Putt, some mini golf in the area, and we had, like, a really good time. And then we had a really good dinner. I just remember being, like, I remember, like, in the moment being, like, wow, like, this was a good day. And I remember we were at the park, and I was, like, this is, like, a movie day. I remember I said that this is, like, a movie day. And then, um, so we had like a nice little family fun day. And then um, we got dropped off. Me and my brother got dropped off at my aunt's house because my mom and my dad were going out. Or they were going to do different places. Like they were both going out. So that's why we were being watched by our aunt. But they were going different places, um, I believe. I, even with all of these things, it's like, wait, I'll get into the letter. Okay. So I remember going to bed. We watched Looney Tunes and me and my brother went to bed. I remember waking up and I saw my brother was at the foot of the bed and my brother was like eight. He's like two years older than me. So he was like eight or nine. Um, and he was at the foot of the bed and I remember he was like crying and I was like, oh, that's like a little odd. And I remember I woke up and my mom was right there and like I could tell something was wrong, but I just didn't know. Like I didn't know. It was like obvious that she was crying now that I'm older, but like I just didn't know. And then I like just opened my eyes. And I was like, hey, what's up? Hey, mom. And then she was like, and then I sure asked like, you know, where's dad? And then she was like, um, your father passed away last night. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just went on. I literally had no idea what death was, what passing away was. I didn't know. So I remember that I remember that whole morning being like so weird. And I remember my like everyone like was just odd. And like for the next like two months, I remember just being like, everyone's being so weird. Um, and then this is like kind of like, <laughs> this is like, I mean, we have to get all the laughs we can in this episode. So this is like a funny, dark, uh, little anecdote, but I remember I was like, because I'm a psychopath and I am, uh, nothing if not an opportunist. I remember, I remember being like, oh, mom's like weird. I bet you she'd like get us pancakes because like Dante's sad and I can tell she's sad that Dante's sad, but I was like not getting it. So I was like, I bet you can get to IHOP. So I was like can we go to IHOP? <laughs> and then like, <laughs> it's again, it's not funny. It's only, listen, we're going to have to do a lot of laughing to get through this, okay? So uh, it's like, it's, I remember we went to IHOP when we got pancakes and I just think that um, your seven-year-old being like, you're like, you tell your seven-year-old like, your, fa your father passed and then your seven-year-old's like, okay, perfect. Can I get some pancakes though? Um, so, because I just didn't know. And the rest of this will be me like slowly, slowly getting it and it hitting me like a fucking train. 
And then I remember after that, like in the weeks passing, I remember like, I just was so, like everyone was showing up. Like my grandma, my grandfather, like the all my cousins. I was like, oh wow. All, like, I just didn't know what the event was. And we eventually had to go to the wake. I don't know how long, like, time is just like, there's no time frame. Like, I just can't tell you, I don't know. Um, like, you know how they always have those tweets that are like jokes that are like, why doesn't anyone talk about how trauma erases memory? Like, that is just so, so true. Like, I, this is my, like, this is my first sentient uh, memory, actually. I don't really remember much before my dad died, probably because it was just so crazy and insane. It just wiped out everything else. So, yeah, like, when people are like, oh, I remember things when I was, like, two. I was like, I can't even, I couldn't even. Like, I have, like, certain small flashes and glimpses, like, maybe, like, a handful of memories that were just told to me that I feel like I just have internalized. But, yeah, I don't really, like, this is the moment I remember coming into the world and, like, being, like, I can, like, trace my memory back to that. But we ended up having the wake. And at this point, I still hadn't gotten it. At this point, I thought my dad was on a trip. I thought death was a location and he was just away. And I was like, why is everyone coming here? He's like, he's like going to be back on his trip. I just didn't get it. And like, how can I almost thinking like, I wonder like, what do you say? Like, like you have your little seven-year-old being like, what? Like, I don't know. I guess you just have to wait till we get it. I'm sure someone told me like, explained it, but I just can't remember. And then the wake happened and obviously, you know, everyone goes up to the body and like whatever. So at this point, I had heard through the grapevine that dead bodies are cold and alive people are warm. Maybe this was from TV. I don't think people like told me this, but I remember I had that very clear in my mind that I was like, oh, like dead people had cold bodies. And so we had this whole wake and then I was like the last person to do it and there was like no one like so I was like I just went up with my aunt and I remember seeing him in the casket and being like oh my gosh and that was the first time I was like oh that's like so strange and so weird looking because he looked just so like still and whatever and I thought that was like so odd and then we were like my aunt was like grab his hand touch his hand I was like oh I don't I was like I didn't know what to do that but I thought it was strange anyways ended up doing it and I touched his hand and his hand felt warm. And I remember being like, oh my God, thank God, his hand's so warm. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, okay, so if dead people are cold and his hand's warm, he's not dead. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. And I remember I like turned around and like now that I'm older, like, oh my God, I can't even imagine the scene. Like my poor mother, like a room full of like the family and like the little several turns around. I turn around and I go, oh my gosh, y'all, like we made a mistake. He's still alive, his hand's still warm. And then, I just remember everyone's face was just like blank stare. It was so quiet. I remember being so confused. I was like, come on, guys, like get on it. Like we made a mistake. Hello, he's still warm. Like what, what are we going to do? And I remember it was just so like stressful. And like my mom had to get like escorted. I'm sure she had like a, the breakdown of a lifetime. I just saw like that was like, I think that was the first moment I was like, okay, there is definitely something going on and something that's like not gonna just stop happening. But that was like really, really crazy. Um, and my poor little mother, like, but also it's just like, shut up kid, like shut the fuck up. Like, oh, I can't imagine, but you know, he was a little baby. I have grace for my little self. And then like, and then the actual funeral happened. And by that time I was like, I knew that like something was like, something was up. And it was just such a crazy experience, crazy feeling. Cause I remember being like, like once like it finally said and there was like oh this thing by the way happens like welcome to the world like you're seven like you love juice you love candy spongebob is amazing you love barney also by the way um you can leave one day out of nowhere and never ever come back and no one can go to see you and like no one can find you 
And I remember being like, like, it was just such a gag, like a, such a face crack, such a, like, <laughs> like a little seven-year-old gagging. I, I was, I was gooped. <laughs> I was gooped and gagged. And it hit me like so crazy. And it just was like, turned immediately into like confusion, 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 and just like primal fear. I was just like, whoa, like, what the fuck is going on in this existence in this plane? Like, it just was such like a paradigm. Obviously, okay, as most death things, as learning about death is, it's just like such a paradigm shift. It was crazy. And I'm sure it was compounded by the fact that it was like someone who was just a part of my daily life. Like, like dad's gone. Like, oh, so, so crazy um, when it happened. And I think that this, that was like the beginning of this very, very, very intense obsession and preoccupation with death, everything about death, like literally every single component and piece. I was like, oh my God, I need to figure out what the fuck this is because this just can't be, I can't accept it. And there must be answers out there and there must be something going on and I'm going to fucking find it. Because I needed to, like, it was like, and this fear, like I've never ever felt fear like that in my life, like since. Like I've never, like this like, that kind of fear where you just like feel like you're gonna die. And it's it's like being afraid of death, by the way, is the worst thing to be afraid of because it's like this crazy spiral that you like are afraid about you're afraid about dying, and then you get so scared you feel like you're gonna die, and then you get scared thinking that you're about to meet your death. It's just bad, and also you can't escape it. You can't, like, it's just everywhere. So I just was literally petrified of death, literally petrified of the idea of one day just literally being snuffed out of existence. I was like, oh my God, like, oh my God. So I, you know, mama didn't raise no bitch. (laughs) Mama ain't raised no um, crybaby. So what did I do? I went to work. I got to work on this (laughs) thing that I'm calling the afterlife project. And from the ages of six to uh, I would say about 13 or 14, I literally went out and searched for everything that I could possibly find on the subject of death. Like everything that could have possibly, and mainly the afterlife. I feel like it was mostly like just praying that there's an afterlife because the, you know, the concept of you're gone, there's nothing just wasn't, it wasn't introduced to me organically, it just like happened. I don't know what that means, but I was really focused on what was happening in the afterlife. So I remember I would do things like um, if we went to Borders or Barnes and Noble, I'd be like, okay, mom, I'm going to go to like the kids section or whatever. And I would absolutely just sneak around and I would find the theology section. I would find um, the philosophy section and I would just start reading everything I can. I really, I truly, it's so crazy to think about, but I, you know, I'm a, uh, uh educated sort of guy and that obviously came from my mom who's an educator slave. But I think a lot of my intelligence comes from, I had, I read all of these different books and I've read all of these different, um, articles and watch YouTube, just like anything I could find um, to figure out. Because I was like, okay, someone on this earth has to know what the fuck's going on. Like someone on this earth has to know all the mechanics and like, I'm going to figure it out. I I remember I got really deep into like the sketchy like YouTube testimonials, like people who like died and like came back. Like this one lady, I remember she was like, I went to heaven and it was like, every, it's like in the clouds and it's all in white and everyone has their perfect little house and we all wear robes. And I went to a basketball game. There were cheers leaders and it was just like super fun and I was like oh my god like 
slay, this is amazing, like whatever. And I think the more, and I also like, I would uh, read um, Native American origin stories about like how the earth was created, like um, origin myths, um, like uh, afterlife stuff. All of that really sort of got me through. And I sort of went through the different religions of the world and, you know, really studied about Judaism and like studied like what Jhana is and like like looked into um, Buddhism and reincarnation. And I was just basically trying on every single hat to feel which one fit and which one made sense and which one was clear and which one that I could be like, okay, I can like not worry about death because I know exactly what's going to happen after. Shocker, shocker, surprise, surprise. Um, I didn't figure it out. So it just added to the spiral, the preoccupation, the every waking moment thinking about it and every free moment start researching it. It was just bad. It just got really nasty and bad. And again, at this whole time, I'm like petrified of like losing everything. And oh my God, was I like so afraid to lose my mom. That was like the big, like that was every single thought was like, my mom's going to die. She's going to die tomorrow. I won't, she won't be able to see me graduate high school. She won't see me in college. Every single thought every day of just like fucking suffering because like, you know, because it's life and it's just crazy and it's scary. And I think the funny thing about looking for answers is that um, when you start interrogating things closely, things start to unravel because it's not a one-to-one. Like no one really knows. So every depiction of it is kind of off. Because like even like I was like thinking, I was like, hmm. So if heaven's like this like sky suburb development <laughs> with clouds and robes, I was like, well, like what age are you in heaven? Like if you die as a baby, like will you know what – like can you be like an adult? Like are you still the – baby? And like, what language do they speak in heaven? And how does that work? And what, if you if you want to do something, it's not basketball, do you have to like be at the basketball game? And like all these questions, like you start like everything out there, you can start like poking holes and just wonder like how it works out. Like even thinking about this, right? Like thinking about heaven, right? When we get there, right? We're it's supposed to be, uh, this is for Christian heaven, by the way, because which is why I was like mainly raised by. So that's like what I get the most. And that's how my mind kind of works. But it's like when you get there, it's supposed to be like no earthly bad stuff. But I'm like, okay, well, if I'm there, am I me? Like, do I have my personality? If we don't have our person, like, do we have our bodies? If we don't have our bodies, who are we? Like, I just had, it was just too confusing. It was like, it was too much. And then it, it ended up making me more stressed because I was like, why doesn't anyone fucking know? Like, why doesn't anyone know? Um, because if no one knows, it makes it feel like that the answer is like the big darkness, the big night. But well, uh, who knows, right? We'll, we'll get to the afterlife later. We all will. <laughs> Let's <go>. Okay. <laughs> but one unsurprisingly very beautiful thing that I found through all of this was when I was looking through all of these different myths and these different stories from these different cultures from different times, it was really beautiful and striking at how similar a lot of it was. And that's when, like, some comfort started to come in. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, that means, like, you know, people from this side of the planet who've never interacted with this side of the planet – both kind of feel like the same stories happening in different ways. Like, that makes me feel like there is a big story that we just, like, don't know the full thing. So that was kind of, like, that was, like, kind of, um, like, reassuring, I suppose. Um, but when the spiral, like, I think really started to get really bad, um, it just would manifest in, like, a really lot of 
not great ways and a lot of uh, difficult ways. And it just impacted my sort of daily life, this sort of preoccupation um, and the weight of figuring out what happens next at like 10 years old. It's just a lot. It's too much. By the time I was 10, I had these very, very strict rituals um, that I would do and things that I would always do to sort of um, keep evil at bay. Um, I was like convinced that every time my mom left the house that she was going to die. I would like, when she would go to like, she could go and like go down the street for like for five minutes to get some bread. And I, or she could go and like go to work for like six hours, come back. No matter what it was, I would always just like sit by the window. And like every time I heard a car pass, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a cop car. She got in an accident and the police going to come and tell us that she's dead and we're orphans. Like I, like I thought that, all the time, every single time she left the house for years and years and years. And every time I wasn't with her, I was just like worried and stressed. Um, so to like mitigate that stress and to, you know, bring back some control, I think I developed these, that's why I think that I developed these like hard and fast rituals that I could not like, I, I like needed to do or else I thought that my mom was going to die. I had to always sleep with the bathroom light on because, like, the bathroom light would leak into my room. So, basically, never in the dark. It was never in the dark. I was never, ever in silence. And this is something today that I'm, like, literally just starting to step out today. Like, um, I've been, like, really good since I college. Spoiler alert. So, um, but, like, even now, like, I still haven't been, like, that used to, like, ever being in silence until, like, maybe two years ago. Um, And really only now have I really started stepping into that um, of just, like, being in silence. I used to never, ever do that because as soon as it was silent, as soon as it was silent, it's like, uh-oh, he's right behind me, isn't it? And I would like, you know, the the preoccupations of death would just overtake me. So never silence. Um, I also, something else that I didn't unlearn until like two years ago was like, I would never step on a crack. Like on the sidewalk, never would. Ever, 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 like would never want to break my mom's back and I thought she was just going to die. So I never did it. And I literally, like even now, like if I'm like looking, thinking about it, now I don't think about it so I can just walk. But if I'm thinking about it, I can't like think of it and see myself step on a crack. Like it's just easy to avoid so I just don't do it. Um, But the real sort of crop of rituals were so when I would be finished, like, you know, brushing my teeth for the night, we had these, like, the faucets, like, the two handles. So I would have to turn off both faucets exactly at the same time, exactly at the same time. Um, and then I would, like, flick the light on and off a certain amount of times. I forgot which, what it was, but it was a very specific amount of times, like, like six or something, or seven, probably seven. It was probably a good number. Um, and... See, like, good numbers. I still, to this day, keep the, the TV on, like, even and odd. But people do that. Or I keep, keep the TV on even. People do that anyway. Um, but that was, like, a, another, like, safety thing for me, I guess. Whatever. And then there was, like, this other room. There was, there was this room that was next to my room that basically, like, uh, people usually weren't in. And there was uh, this, like, closet that had these two little doors. And I would have to take those and I would have to close the door and have the doors closed at the same exact time. And it was very frustrating because one of the doors was kind of broken. So it kind of like didn't always, it never closed fully like cleanly. So like this would like take the most amount of time. Like I'm talking like every night, like I'd be there like 10 to 20 minutes. One time it took 45 minutes. It's like I would not go to sleep unless the doors closed at the right time. Um, So that was annoying too. Um... Also, mind you, I'm doing this completely, like, in my own silo. Like, I am, I don't know, I'm just not a person, and I've struggled with this my whole life, but I've, I'm not a person who is able to articulate 
emotional needs in the moment or like articulate emotional struggles in the moment. Like I'm like a get through it and then tell people about it. Like I've always been like that, but it's just not conducive to anything. So like this whole time, like, cause I'm like, you know, this whole family's grieving, right? My mom lost her husband. She just bought a house. Like she's lost her husband. My brother also lost his dad. So I was like, I, you know, like I just can't burden anyone with this. I would keep all of this to myself, the majority of my preoccupations, like all these rituals, like I would tell no one. I wouldn't tell my friends at school. I wouldn't t- like, I wouldn't tell anybody. And so, you know, it, it's this kind of like, just sad thing of this, you know, I was just ten- like, I shouldn't have been like, I don't know. Obviously everyone processed everything differently. And I was 11. So I didn't like think to like speak out, but like, it makes me sad to think of like, you know, my little 11 year old self, like just struggling every day just to keep it together and move forward and feeling like they can't speak about it. But you know, even like worrying about like phone calls, like, oh my God, every time my phone rang, even not, that's, that's the one that's still hard to like shake. Like even today, if I get like phone calls from like my mom, my brother, I'm always like, what happened? You know what I mean? It's always like my stomach always kind of drops when my phone rings, like always. Um, but when I was younger, it was like really, really like, I was like, I'm just convinced it was like, whether I knew the number or not, like if I knew the number, it was my family member telling me my mom died. If I didn't know the number, it was a bystander who looked at her phone and called her son and was telling her. It was like, yeah, it was just, it just got too much. But I think it all started to like shift and change when I got to middle school and my mom randomly was like, listen to this little ebook. Um, Because I remember that day I was like crying about something. And like when I was a kid also, by the way, like I am like, this is who I am. Like this disposition, this sunny, this bright bubbliness. And this is always who I've been. But when I was a kid, I was like, a really, like, when I was home, like, away from school, I was just a really, like, sad kid, like, a volatile kid. I was always crying. I was always freaking out. I had all these, like, I just, I was emotionally unregulated. Like, I could not regulate my emotions as a child. And it was really exhausting and really annoying. And I remember, like, one uh, afternoon, I was just crying. I mean, I was crying because I was, like, afraid to go to camp because I was, like, petrified of everything. Like, Afraid to die, afraid of my own shadow. I was afraid of mascots. I was just afraid of dogs. I was afraid of everything. I was just had so much fear and anxiety. And my mom was like, okay, you need to listen to this audiobook. And so it was The Secret. And if you've never heard of The Secret, it's like a book. And essentially, it's just the law of manifestation. And it's like, you know, it was the first thing that introduced to me the idea of that you like energy is something that you put out and you get. It's not just something that uh, comes to you or is done to you, you control the energy of the world. And that was truly like life-changing, truly a game changer, especially in my regards to fear of death, because it was the first thing that said, Hey, like if you focus on negativity, negativity will come. And I was thinking, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm here. Like thinking about my mom dying every single day. Like what if that's just like beckoning that to happen. God fucking forbid, right? God forbid. Oh my gosh. Um, and <laughs> it, it just introduced agency into my life. And like, that was when I started really thinking about what am I thinking? Is it rational? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid my mom's going to die. Okay. That's a valid fear, Trey. Go off King. Do we have to worry about that right now? No. So let's move on. It was like that. So like literally like I would have to move forward and have like truly inner monologues and like sit myself down. I would have a fear and I'd be like, okay, fear, let's sit in the chair. Let's ask you some questions. What are you afraid? Like, what are you responding to? 
why are you afraid of that? Like, and I was able to sort of piece together all of where my fears were coming from and what my anxieties were. And more importantly, I was able to prioritize what do I need to give my energy to, my thoughts to, my uh, um, stress to, and what can I just like ignore and keep it pushing, right? Because that's really all that like stress mitigation is. You just have to ignore it and keep it pushing. And through this like very intense intent and through this thinking of every sort of level of um, where I am in life, where I want to be in life, uh, what's happening to me right now, what am I feeling right now, what is like influencing that, where is that coming from, it made me a very introspective person and it made me a person who I think is able to see things at scale. Because when things get really, really scary, I found that scale helps all the time. When things are super, like something that's big like death, like I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid of my mom dying, right? That's really, really big. So like I have to scale back and be like, you know what? I'm here right now. I'm here today. My mom's here today. Let me just go have a good day with her. Because what this childhood also taught me was that when you have a bad day, that day's gone forever. It's burned for good. That was a bad day. And a lot of things can go wrong and a lot of things can create bad days, but a lot of the times it's us working ourselves up for this bad day. So, and when things are super, super small, like when I'm like super stressed about something at work, like I'm like, oh, this project's killing me, I can't do it. Like I'm able to like scale out and be like, you know what? I have this large life. I have all these beautiful friends. Like I, you know, it's like, so the scaling helps. And that scaling came from oscillating between the minute horrors of what can happen to you every day and the big horror of what's going to happen to all of us at the end. And being able to volley between that, I think has helped mitigate the stress and the, and the fear and which has really, really helped me. And that's also kind of why I'm like, you know, I know that it was, it's absolutely so unfortunate and so sad and the ripples of the effects of my dad dying can never, I'll never fully know. Like I'm the older I get, the more I realize that it's like the most, it is the defining moment of my life because it's colored so much about me and it colored so much more I do. Cause it's really like, it really did teach me like from a young age that like you have to live and like, even though you're so afraid of dying, like the only way to combat that is by living. And like the only way to feel uh, any sort of reprieve from the stress and the horror of knowing that you're going to go is thinking and uh, investing in what you're going to do while you're here. And I think that paints so much of who I am. Um, <laughs> oh, and <laughs> I think it's, I think it's an energy that <laughs> I think it's an energy that people can feel because <laughs> people always comment on my energy and my happiness and my joy. And I think it's because I'm choosing it every day <laughs> because you have to choose it. You have to seek it. If you think about life, if you were born and you just like, laid on the floor and didn't do anything for your whole life. You never moved an inch. Things like the hard parts, the worst parts about life, right? Like hardships and heartbreak and loneliness and, and death and sickness. That's going to find you. You're going to experience that. If you do nothing, if you did not one thing, you are guaranteed to experience all of that. And, um, but the things that we're actually here for, for like, 
um, things like joy, things like community, things like love, things like excitement, you know, like that's the stuff that you have to choose. And that's the stuff you have to seek out. And that's the stuff that you have to do everything that you can to get there because you won't get it if you don't try. You won't, you won't get it. It's not guaranteed. None of that is guaranteed. None of that's guaranteed. There are people who go through life without any of it. And so that, that really drives me. That's, that's why I go so balls to the wall. That's why I always put myself out there. And I've always, you know, that's why I'm like, that's why I'm the guy who's like, oh my God, I can't even get through a sentence. This is crazy, but this is beautiful. Okay. All right. Oh my God. I will say though, there is nothing more glamorous than speaking through a tear. Like, that's just so glam. All right, anyways, okay. Yes, so that that's why I'm me. That's why I do, like, that's why I speak up. That's why I put myself out there. That's why I am. I want to try everything. I want to do everything. I want to experience everything because that's the only, that's, that's just, that's living. Like, that's living. Like, if the biggest fear is that death is nothing, that means that the greatest joy has to be that life is everything. Living everything. I want every single experience. And so, like, even though I'm, you know, it's awful that all oh, these things happened when I was young. It's just, I can't, uh, I can't even explain how much it has, this outlook has poured back into me and how much it has benefited me. Um, <laughs> because I can so say, like, I can truly say, I can truly say that I love my life. I'm so proud of the situations I've put myself in. I'm so proud of the things I've accomplished. I'm so proud of the places that I've been. I'm so proud of the people that are around me. And I know it's because I went out and I sought it. And I know that it would speak, it's because that I um, take the... I don't know, take the risks and just know that nothing, everything, the ideas of like failure and embarrassment and shame, all of that is just such a crock of shit. And at the end of your life, you don't get a medal for never being embarrassed. You don't get a prize for never falling on your face in front of people. You don't get anything because at the end, we might all get the same thing that's nothing. And if that's the case, I want, I, the only way that I'll be okay, remotely okay on that deathbed, is that if I look back and I knew that, you know what, I shot every shot, I, I climbed every mountain I could, not even if I climbed it, but I tried, and I believed that I could, and that's all that matters, and that's really the best gift that my dad's given me, and how, and it's, it's just, something that I'm really happy to share because, oh, like, I see so much, so many people are so unhappy. Like, so many people are so unhappy day to day. And I know that a lot of it comes from getting bogged down with the minutia and the, you know, not being able to see the big and the small picture at the same time or not understanding that because life is precious, it means that you just can't rest, you know? But 
Well, you know what? No, I guess whatever works for you works for you. This is what works for me, but I, I'm glad that I've been able to share because I think it's just, it's it's the truth. Like, I really feel like one time my friend, uh, uh, one of my best friends was like, I really feel like you've cracked the code on how to be happy. And I think so too. I think that if you lead with gratitude and you focus on what's possible and you only speak life into yourself and others and you only share yourself authentically, like you, like you can't help but find happiness and you can't help but find life and living and experiences. And it's just so beautiful and wonderful. And it came out of such a crazy dark place, but I would not, I would not switch it for the world because it's invaluable. And I was able to like really find that. And like I said, like I was like, you know, a really emotional wreck and emotional mess. But even then, like, for example, the people who knew me growing up, I don't even think they'd say it. Like, I don't think they would have, they would be surprised to hear that I was that much of a wreck because I was always like smiley and like trying to put on a face. But in the beginning, it was more of like, sadness doesn't exist. I don't feel that. It was like a robot thing. I used to think I was like, I didn't have emotions, but I only have, whatever, that's another story for another day. But <laughs> But now I, like, know that I live, like, the full spectrum of life and really, like, by the time, like, my second year in college, I feel like after that was when I really felt settled in my view of life and who I am. And interestingly enough, that's also when I feel like people started commenting on how I show up differently and saying like, you seem very, you know yourself. People always been like, you know yourself and you know who you are and you're only you. And, and it's been really nice. And I think that all that comes from all of the tumult. Is that a name? Is that a word? Tumult of, you know, being smacked in the face with death at six years old. So where am I now in terms of afterlife, all that kind of stuff? Listen, y'all. All I know is that we don't know. And all I know is that we can never know. Um, that's why all of the our conceived notions of the afterlife have holes in them because it's not this life. We have no idea. And um, I'm okay with that. I'm so okay with not knowing because it's very clear. Like if uh, that is some nebulous, confusing thing, but something that makes so much sense to me is that living is for, like right now is for living. And I think I know how to live. So that's kind of just what keeps me forward, just making the effort to have an amazing day every day. And I'm just so happy. I'm so blessed and fortunate that like most of my days are really good days. And all of them are good days, but like most of them are really, really good days. I'm a very faith-driven person. I absolutely believe in a higher power. I wake up and I give gratitude. Uh, I don't give gratitude every day, but I try to do it every day. But I definitely like, am thankful and like I say thankful I say thank you and I give gratitude in the moment all the time under my breath like I'll just be hanging out with friends and I'll always be like thank you for this good day I'll be always think I'll say thank you for the stillness thank you for peace thank you for health like I every time I'm thinking of something I'm like I'm glad I have that I just really say to the universe thank you for it and that helps me a lot and um just yeah, focusing on the moment, focusing on my gratitude, focusing on the people who love me, and focusing on doing things that I like. I love doing things that I love. I like filling my life with things that I love. And I love that I just live this little life where I make my little videos on the internet. Um, I love scrolling. I go to brunch and go dance with my friends in New York. Like I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm living. I'm living. Um, 
And I am just grateful for every aspect of my life. And this has, like, been the first time where I've been, like, grateful for everything consistently. And it's just been really amazing. And I'm so grateful for this podcast and for, you know, creating my own momentum and creating my wind in the world. And it's just, it makes me feel amazing. Um, And it's all, all of it is because of what I learned through that experience and not wallowing in it and not sort of being beaten down by it, but, but trying to be inspired by it and find the light through it, which I really appreciate. Um, wow. That was beautiful, y'all. I don't know if you cried, but I did. And I cried a lot. And that was really gorgeous. And I am so happy to have shared, like, my essence and my being with you. And I'm so happy that it's out there because I just really feel like life is just energy, intention, and gratitude. Like, with that, you'll be unstoppable. You can't fail. And even though the Grim Reaper is a bitch and she's a lot and you know what? We've all lost someone. I guess we haven't all lost someone, but we all will lose someone and we will all die. And we're in this together though. And we're all going to face it the same way and we're all going to be fine. And if we're not, then we won't even be. So I think that's fine. (laughs) I don't know. Damn it. I was trying to end this on it. Like that's like, I want to end it on like a nice note. I had like little... I had like little questions after, but the story just took most of it. And I'm, I bet I'm happy I shared every detail about it. But all this to say, when you're feeling stressed, scale up, scale down, focus on gratitude, focus on how you can have the best day possible. Um, and just focus on what you like and just do it and feel it and pursue it. And I hope one of the things you like is Prattle because it's like my favorite thing in the world. So thank you so much for joining me this episode. I definitely want to do like more solo monologues. Um, It's really fun and hopefully one that's a little bit uh, lighter, but this was nice. This was good. I feel better about crying. Oh my God, I love crying. Um, I like didn't cry for like second, but I didn't cry for like a lot of my life from that. Like, like I said, I used to like turn the faucet off. I'm like, just happy, whatever, dark. Um, but I love crying now, so that felt really good. And I love you, Dad. And thank you for all the life lessons on this earth and past it. So thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Prattle. Hope to see you on the next episode. And I hope to see you in the afterlife. Ciao.